The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Very special show today. We're broadcasting live from BNY Mellon's ETF Exchange 16 here in Dana Point, California, where people are looking at ideas, innovation, interaction, and they're certainly looking at the regulatory landscape for ETFs, turning up the heat. That was one of the kickoff panels uh, opening up this conference today. And joining us now is one of the panelists herself, Kathy Moriarty. She's a partner at Case Scholler LLP. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So uh, it was interesting when I, I've been reading different reports about ETFs to you know kind of get caught up more on the latest. But a lot of the literature I've read, people are thrilled with the growth in the industry, but there's more and more regulatory scrutiny and steps being taken and I think some feel yes we need it on the other hand it's maybe going to make some difference in the way ETFs can grow what's what's kind of the the big thing right now when it comes to regulation actually there are two one is um, the liquidity proposal that the SEC has put forward about a year ago and uh, it will require um, portfolio managers including ETFs to um, start managing their portfolio in terms of how liquid the portfolio is. So instead of just paying attention to an index or a strategy, they'll also have to pay attention to how liquid their portfolio is. They'll have to assign different buckets of uh, timeframes to each of their portfolio securities, and they'll have to manage their uh, portfolio so that they have a certain minimum of two to three day liquidity, which means almost instantaneous liquidity. And uh, it will start to um, alter the way managers manage a portfolio, because instead of paying attention to the strategy alone, now they'll also have to pay attention to this liquidity proposal. Now, it hasn't been adopted yet, so we don't know whether it's going to be adopted in the form it is, or whether it's going to be changed, or whether it's going to be adopted at all. But it's certainly, if it is adopted in in the form that it's in, it certainly will change how people manage portfolios, and that will that will have an effect on. And one of the questions is, um, how will that work with an index ETF, for example, or an index mutual fund? For instance, if you're following the S&P 500, let's say, and it turns out that your liquidity portfolio doesn't have the minimum requirement, you're going to have to make some changes in order to fulfill your liquidity requirement, but that may mean you're not following the S&P properly. So what does that what does that really do? Because you've told your investors that what you're aiming for is to replicate or to replicate the performance of the S&P 500. But if you start having to change things around in order to meet liquidity requirements, you may not make that performance. So there's some discussion as to whether this is even going to be applicable to index uh, funds or not. And I don't. I think the jury is out on that as well. So that's the kind of thing that will uh, alter to some degree how people manage. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole with liquidity, uh, but, I, but I think you raise a very interesting uh, point because the liquidity works both ways. You can look at it in the past, 
in order to gain some understanding of the future. But the very nature of liquidity is that it can surprise you, particularly when it dries up. Yes. What are some of the, are there going to be penalties as a result of this? I mean, if you make a good faith effort and, you know, Department of Labor or other rules have to do with fiduciary responsibility, if you make that effort, but it doesn't turn out that way, what are the consequences? We don't know. That's exactly yeah. right. We don't know. Hmm. So there's one we one we don't know, right? right. Inspector Clouseau would have said, "I do not know what I do not know," <laughs> but uh, that's hanging over everybody's head. I want to ask you uh, a bit too about uh, Bitcoin, blockchain, etc. A year ago, that's what we discussed, and you right. have been involved with uh, working on setting up various kinds of companies, etc. So you know a lot about this in the ETF world. Where does that stand now? There are two um, ETF products that are in progress right now. And they're both at the same stage, which is to say they are both uh, in the process of, of having their listing rule uh, adopted or not adopted, as the case may be. And without that, they can't trade. So the exchange, an exchange has to have a listing rule for every, every product that it lists. And there are many, many products that fit into a kind of a generic thing. Like if you want to list an equity security, there's a standard equity listing rule. You don't have to go and get a special rule. But when you're talking about a new product, you often have to, you know, have to get your own listing rule. So both of these products are in that stage. And um, it could be as long as another six months or so before the commission will make its mind up one way or the other. It's also hard to predict now because of the political situation, you know, the election year, the fact that the commission is not fully you know, um, staffed, if you will. So it's it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen, but it's in train. It's the best way I can best way I can put it. Bitcoin is money. Uh, well, it is and it isn't. Well, <laughs> well, a U.S. judge says uh, says it is correct. A U.S. judge just tell, said it. tell tell us that story. Just, well, I don't really know the whole background because I only found out about it today. But apparently, there was a, uh, a federal court judge who uh, held that. Um, Bitcoin in the context of the case was money. On the other hand, a couple of weeks ago, there was a Florida court judge who held that Bitcoin wasn't money. So it, it's um, it pretty much has. You pays your Bitcoin and you takes it, your choice. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's still a uh, an open question uh, in America um, as to whether it is or it isn't. Is there an area of the ETF world that uh, you would say, as an attorney, uh, is Overregulated at this point? Because I know there are some people who are always a little bit concerned about people perhaps not understanding all the risks of ETFs and how they're structured. Is, is there an area where you would say if you were at the SEC or something, you'd be looking at it? Well, I tell you the truth. I think the liquidity thing is an over-restrictive over Situation. It is not. No, it is. It is. I think okay, it yeah. is. I don't, I don't know what prompted this necessarily. There's some thought that the banking regulators um, either directly – uh, suggested it, or that the SEC in, in defense is trying to keep the banking regulators from you know, moving into SEC territory. But I Does it indicate that maybe they're worried about liquidity well, and that they think or they know something that we do not are, are not privy to? Who knows? I think sometimes they're always being accused of doing things in reaction. So I think this is sort of one of those things that they think maybe we can do this ahead of time. We, can, we haven't had a liquidity problem, so let's make sure we don't have a liquidity problem. But I think that it's not – I think it's overly restrictive, the, the way it's written. Uh, right. right. And, but the liquidity issue is not confined just to exchange-traded funds nope. because October the 14th, we get a big change in money market funds. 
as a result of what happened in 2008, and you may experience, if you own a money market fund, the net asset value going below $1 a share. And right. in times of stress, you may not be able to actually get the money out of the money market funds. Yes, that's right. That goes back to that liquidity that, issue. That's right. That's right. So what are your thoughts on, the, on that change in the money market fund rules? <sighs> I'm not sure. I think I've just sort of accepted it. Um, I was sort of maddened by it when it first came out, but I think I've just sort of gotten used to it. You know, after a certain point, you, you see so many regulations and you figure, pick your battle. So that battle I didn't pick. All right. What battle would, would you pick right well, now? I, I would pick the derivative rule. That's tell us, also, tell us, give the detail. Now the de well, it's too complicated yeah, to give well, you all the details. But we basically, don't have 50 years. Right, in a nutshell. <laughs> basically, what it's trying to do is extremely limit uh, the uh, use of, of derivatives. And this goes back a long way. Uh, this, this concern goes back a long way. And I think, again, it's kind of like looking, using a sledgehammer to deal with a problem. That's not to say there are no problems with derivatives or there are no problems with portfolio managers, but to sort of, you know, create a one-size-fits-all regulation that will prevent problems from happening is almost bound to cause problems in the long run. So what would you do instead? I don't know. I think I would be more selective about it. I would think I, would, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily um, regulate it by percentage or what have you, I'd have more, actually, more they do in, in the liquidity situation, which is to say, set your own boundaries, you know, have a justification for them, and then follow them. I think that would make more sense than to try, try to do these, you know, over, overweening and in this context, we're talking about things, everything from, let's say, a triple leveraged uh, exchange yes, traded fund to one that's using futures or... Anything. Almost yeah. anything that's not a stock or a bond. Almost anything is a, is a derivative. Well, this so is going to have an effect also on the effect. kind of uh, ETFs that are produced and yes. the response to that, because we know there'll always be a way to try to get around it. Of course. Yes. That's my job. <laughs> and that's why we love having you. <laughs> Kathleen Moriarty, partner at K. Scholler telling us all about uh, regulations, ETFs, and Bitcoins. Thank you very much. Uh, we are broadcasting from the BNY Mellon ETF Symposium in Dana Point, California. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.